0: Good morning, Calvary. For guests and visitors, my name is Otis. I'm the youth pastor here at Calvary, and I get the good pleasure of sharing uh, God's word with you today. Um, So excited uh, about uh, what I get to share with you. I'm going to share with you a message called The Holy Spirit Does He Speak? The Holy Spirit, does he speak? And you know, anytime you say that word speak, you know that it has to involve listening or hearing. But I came across some things that so far I have never, ever heard in church. Okay, are you ready for this? Hey, it's my turn to sit on the front row. Don't be offended, religious people. I might, I might offend some people here. Personally, I find witnessing much more enjoyable than golf. Never heard that in church. So, Just saying. Uh, how about this one? I love it when we sing songs I've never heard before. Don't hear that one often. <laughs> how about this one? I know pastor will like this. Hey, since we're all here, let's start the worship service early. Don't hear that often. Oh, and I don't think we've ever heard this one, Pastor. Pastor, we'd like to send you to this conference in the Bahamas. I don't think I've heard that one before in in church either. I'd like to, though. But today, what we're really going to be asking God to do and what we're going to pray for right now is that the Holy Spirit would open our ears to hear. That's really what we need. We need our ears open to uh, uh, what he's saying. Uh, to us in this hour and really how he speaks. So let's pray together as we begin. Heavenly Father, God, I just want to just echo that song. Lord, we welcome you in this place. Jesus, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome your ministry. And today I say, Holy Spirit, be the loudest voice in this room today. I want you to speak louder than than I could speak. I want you to speak the words that people need to hear. Lord, I offer you my tongue, my mouth, my mind. I don't want to say words that you're not saying. And so, Lord, we offer this time to you. Lord, all of us here say we want to hear from you. Give us ears to hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been in a great series on the Holy Spirit, answering questions like, is he a person? And there's a lot of great things that you need to probably go back and listen to uh, in in the last two sermons. But today I want to begin with a scripture out of John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And this might be a scripture that you want to go to in your Bible and highlight and and because it's maybe for a few of you going to introduce to you a brand new idea, a different way of thinking when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Verse 26 says, but when the, when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will, will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I want you to see something here. He says, he will testify. I I want to just make a, a small note in the very beginning and answer the question, does he speak? The very simple answer is yes. He speaks, but oftentimes if you ever have a conversation with somebody who's been in church for a long time, uh, you know, you'll run into people. It's like, Oh, I'm one of those guys, you know, man, God really doesn't talk to me. And I, you know, my, my heart kind of aches because there is so much truth in God's word that about him speaking to us and wanting to interact with us on a daily basis. And, and so I want you today to understand that he does speak. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, he uses this word often testify and testify means to give or to show evidence or proof of something's existing or being the case. The Holy Spirit is testifying. He is giving proof to the existence of Jesus. I I, I, I just had this thought as I was praying this weekend and getting ready. You know. If there has been one question that I've had more over the last 15 and a half years in youth ministry here, it has been this one question, Pastor Otis, how can I hear the voice of God? And I hear it in, 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 you know, among adults as well. I I feel like I'm having trouble hearing the voice of God. I, I wonder this based upon this verse. I wonder if we're not hearing him because we're not wanting to have a conversation on the subject he wants to talk about. This says he will testify of Jesus. If you don't want to talk about Jesus... The Holy Spirit probably won't have a lot to say. If you don't want to talk about Jesus' care for someone else around you, he may not have as much to say about whatever next blessing is coming into your life or whatever thing that you're searching for. It could be that there's a little silence it's because many times we as human beings and we as Christians are off topic. If you want to get, begin to hear the Holy Spirit on a whole brand new level, Make his topic first. It says here, he will testify of Jesus. And then I want you to see in verse 27, it says, and you will also bear witness. What you need to understand is that the coming of the Holy Spirit into your life and into my life is all about partnership. It's all about partnership. And very plainly said, God today is desiring partnership with you and I. He wants to see the kingdom expand in Citrus County, in your world of influence, not through your own efforts, but in a divine partnership with the Holy Spirit. So we have to answer this question. If he testifies of Jesus, how does he do that? Well, he does it in two ways, primarily two ways. So when, the whole, when, when I say that the Holy Spirit speaks... He speaks in all kinds of different ways. He's speaking through creation to everyone. He can speak in whatever way he wants to. Matter of fact, in the, whole, in the Old Testament, there was a donkey that started speaking under the, the inspiration, I believe, of the Holy Spirit. So he can, he's God, okay? He colors outside. the There are no lines. He makes the lines, okay? He does what he wants to do. He's God. But primarily, there's two ways that he testifies of Jesus. Through the fruit of the Spirit, and through the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit are listed in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22 through 25. There was a season in youth ministry where I was really, really, really frustrated. I felt like we were trying, we were doing a lot of things, and I was really frustrated because it would go really well in the service, and uh, the kids would leave the service and immediately begin to manifest Satan, you know, and I I was struggling. I'm like, Jesus, you're doing awesome things. And you're what, how do we get long term fruit? And he says, well, you, you, you teach this verse. I said, how long? He says, as long as it takes. So almost a year we spent a year in youth group, almost a year on these three verses. So one of the ways that the Holy Spirit testifies to the world And speaks of Jesus is through the fruit of the Spirit. Many of you probably have memorized that verse. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against these things, there's no law against them. And he says, If we uh, live in the Spirit, let us also then walk in the Spirit. So that means that there's actually a choice. Do you see that? There's a choice. You may be alive in Christ, but unwilling to let the Spirit manifest through you. That's what Galatians 5 tells us. So since we live in the Spirit, let's also walk in the Spirit. There's an open testimony that the Holy Spirit gives to the world and to others when you love. When you're walking in peace, when the whole, your whole world's falling apart. When you have joy that passes all kinds of understanding, you're just like, people are going, what? How could this be? I would be falling apart. And it's the Holy Spirit speaking. He's testifying that there is evidence that Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and on the third day, God raised him from the dead. He's testifying of Jesus. Well, not only does the Holy Spirit testify through fruit, which is amazing, but he also testifies through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. There are nine gifts listed there. And and while today I, I won't go through all of the nine gifts, I just want you to understand that everyone can operate in these. Everyone can operate in these. These gifts, according to First Corinthians chapter 12, please go do the research, read this chapter. They're given for the good of all. God has good in mind for people. And he wants to testify to others. You say, how does he do it? Well, sometimes it's through, as is mentioned there, it says through the spirit comes a word of knowledge. That means a supernatural piece of information that he gives you that you couldn't have known under any other circumstance. You didn't gather it through your education or experience. He just gave it to you. Could be a word of wisdom. That's a supernatural ability to be able to overcome any problem. Anybody got any problems that they need solved? Guess what you need? You need a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's called a word of wisdom. There's all kinds. Discerning of spirit, special gift of faith, gift of miracles. There's the gift of tongues, the the interpretation of tongues, prophecy, which we're going to talk about a little bit. All of these God gives for good and the profit of all. But there seems to be a wrestling match over that statement that I made. That God wants you all to function in the gifts of the spirit. There seems to be a little pushback. No, well, that's just not my gift. Well... I'm just going to take you through a lot of scripture today and we're going to give, we're going to highlight some key words for you all throughout the new Testament. Are you ready? Let's go quickly through these acts chapter two, verse 17 and 18 says, and it shall come to pass in the last days says God that I will pour out my spirit on what's that next word? all flesh. That's a very key word. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men dream dreams. And all my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I I just do want to let you know that we are seeing this come to pass in young people right now. Young people who get baptized in the Holy Spirit are prophesying. We're seeing uh, just a wonderful move of God in youth. Many are being saved. Uh, this last first Friday, we had so many healings take place in a youth meeting. Uh, one young man had fractured his right ankle. And the Lord gave me a word of knowledge, which was, I am go- I'm about to heal Someone who has a problem with the right ankle. I didn't even recognize because there was kids everywhere. He kind of comes in late. I didn't know that there was someone in our service. And it's really dark because we're youth. And there are bright lights shining in my eyes. I, can't, I, can, I just can't see over there from the stage. And there was a kid there with a boot on. He had a, he had a boot. He's from Citrus Springs middle school. He comes, he, I think he attends a different church uh, on Sundays, but he comes once a month. And I said, the Lord says he is about to heal somebody's right ankle. And I said, who's here with a right ankle problem? Anybody? And the kid comes up in a boot. And, and I said, okay, all right, well, here we go. You know? And uh, and we gathered around and the kids were praying over him and we prayed over him. He took the boot off and he begins to walk. And as he begins to walk, he begins to weep. And I, at first, just thinking maybe a little bit like a dad, I was like, I wonder if that's because he's in pain. Because he just took this, they just removed the hard cast and gave him this boot not the case. All the pain was gone. And he's walking around that night when he walked out to his parents' car, when we dismissed the service, he was holding the boot over his head. He, did, he only brought one shoe to service. So he's kind of hobbling, you know, he has one shoe on one foot and the boot over his head. And, you know, and they don't, they don't really come from a, an atmosphere where they kind of believe in these things. However, their faith was really put to the test because the next day he said, mom, dad, I want to go to the roller barn. The next day he was roller skating. I'm telling you, God is amazing and he gives us gifts for the good of all. So he wants to pour it out on all flesh. Did you see that word all? First Corinthians twelve, eleven. But one and the same spirit works all these things distributing, look at this, to each one individually as he wills. That's talking about the gifts of the spirit. Acts 2, 3, and 4 says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were All filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the initiation of the church in Acts chapter 2. This is the very beginning of God pouring out his Spirit on the church. There are 120 people in an upper room and they have been praying for 10 days straight. For 40 days, Jesus appeared to the disciples and to many after the resurrection for 40 days and then he ascended and for 10 days straight they obeyed this command do not leave but stay and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit and they did that 10 days straight they prayed together and then each and every one of them got filled So today in this room, you know, that means that nobody in this room today, if the same experience happened here, nobody in the room would be left out. No background, not a man, not a woman. Listen, there everyone gets filled with God's Holy Spirit. He says, I'm breaking down every wall in this moment. Now, this really flies in the face of those who like to say, Well, I, I just don't think that's my gift. Only if you don't receive it. It's being offered to you. If you don't want it, I believe that's between you and God, and and uh, and Jesus died so you can have it. I really hope that you would receive what He is extending to you today, so He gives it. To each one and all are filled. Look at Acts chapter four, verse 31. We're gonna keep, keep on going with this thing. And when they had prayed, the, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Look at Acts chapter 10. At the inbreaking of, of, of the kingdom in the Gentiles. At first, God was doing a deep work in the Jews. Now, the Spirit of God is beginning to spill over into the lives of Gentiles who place their faith in Christ. Look, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words. I love that. Holy Spirit was like, all right, Peter, that's enough. Just get out of the way. I'm going to go and move. So Peter's in the middle of his sermon, and I'm sure it was really good, but the Holy Spirit interrupted. And fell upon, look at that word again, all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Acts chapter 19. And when they heard this, this was a group of disciples, by the way. Acts chapter 19. A group of disciples. It says, when they heard this, They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. They all received it. They all received it. And I I just want to say again to you today, if you're a believer in Christ, you're a candidate for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And listen, God, God doesn't want to give you something, you know, that's really out there or weird. You know, we, we kind of think sometimes that, man, if I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, I'm going to be in Walmart and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab the, the handset and I'm going to begin to speak in tongues over the, you know, the loudspeaker to, to the entire store. That is foolishness. No, that is not what happens. Remember, God's desiring partnership. That would be the same as you saying, you know, um, you know I, don't, I don't really know if I uh, want that gift of giving thing. If God wants me to have the gift of giving, you know, uh, you know, the check will just leap right out of my checkbook. It'll just jump right in the bucket as it goes by. No, we partner with God by faith. And we work in these gifts in partnership with him and they're for all of us. So let's answer this question today together. What does it look like to cooperate with the spirit to come into partnership where you are hearing him and following him and walking with him I believe the greatest picture is revealed in First Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14.1 and it's simply this, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. I want you to notice something about this scripture. It begins by saying pursue love. I am reminded of all of my five children when they were b- between the ages of like zero and three. At some point, they're running away from me. They want to do whatever they want to do. They're having fun. They want me to chase them. They want me to come after them. They want me to, you know, let's, let's have some fun. This, the, uh, uh, my, my kids, I don't know what it is, but any time that we have ever been in a hotel And there is a long hallway. I don't know. that No one says it. There are no signs. But it seems like it's an invitation to a track meet. They just want to take off and run. Run. And I'm like, ah. And I have to pursue them. No, no, no. Don't run. Don't run. Don't run. I want you to notice something. In the kingdom, you're going to have to pursue love. You're going to have to go after love. You're gonna ha- you can't just say, well, I'm just going to stay here in love. No, the scripture says you've got to pursue it. And this is a great picture. And it says, listen, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Like, is there something in your heart that is saying, God, I want to see this flow through my life. And if not, could it be for you like it was for me. I grew up in a church and I, I share this in 201. I grew up in a church where everything was the devil. Everything was the devil. I remember when Christian radio, there was a Christian radio station, um, that came, uh, I, I think it, it opened in about 1986 in, uh, out of Lakeland called WCIE, hundred thousand Watts. Okay. It was Awesome radio station, but I'll never forget what my church started saying as soon as they started hearing the Christian radio. They said, Oh, that stuff's from the devil. I was like, What? The Christian radio's from the devil? You don't want to be. I, why is the Christian radio from the devil? They have drums. And they're playing those African beats. I'm like, man. You know, a little later you figure out it was really just because white people can't keep rhythm. And, you know, <laughs> so it had to be the devil. Um, you know, they said everything was the devil. And they certainly said that, that, that having a prayer language or, uh, or anything that had to do with supernatural, that's spooky. That's spooky. That's got to be the devil. And I want to tell you something. Maybe you're like me. Who at 12 years old experienced a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I heard a language going off on the inside. But at 12 years old, all I could hear was, that's the devil. So I never released my, the grace of a prayer language until I was 21 years old. Because I had a wall up. And today, I just believe God wants all the walls to come down. He just wants all those barriers to come down. You don't have to be afraid of God. He loves you. He doesn't want to embarrass you. He wants to partner with you. So you beautifully display Jesus, which is exactly what this is county, city, your family, your school needs. That's what we need. We need to desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And what does that mean? What, how do we prophesy? And I'll give you a little bit of understanding about prophecy. It just really means uh, very simply To bubble forth, that's what it means in Hebrew. It means to to spring forth off the tongue. Uh, It includes uh, a little bit of foretelling. That means that, that there is, you know, that we come into alignment with what the Holy Spirit, what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, that he will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. Now, does that mean that you're going to understand everything? No, 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 no. No, absolutely not. Because we're called to live a life of faith. And most of us, if we knew everything right now, we'd try to, we'd be way out in front of God. For me personally, this is the way it works. His word, is just light to my feet and a lamp to my path. I know the next step and the next couple of steps because he knows I'll get way out in front of him. Does that mean that God doesn't want to speak to you about what's coming in the next season for you? No, that's exactly what he wants to do. And most of the time when he does that, it's a confirming word in your heart. You're like, "Ah, oh, I knew it. And someone else said it, and it, your heart just comes alive. It's like, oh, yes. Thank you, God. I feel like I'm headed in the right direction. So prophecy is used, according to verse three, just, just two verses later, But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Who doesn't want that? When you walk in this gift of the Spirit, you're encouraging people. You are encouraging people. Why would you not want to be encouraged? Matter of fact, why would you not want to be an encourager? There was someone who walked so powerfully in this, by the way, the disciples changed his name to Son of Encouragement. His name's Barnabas. And many scholars think it's because he functioned in the gift of prophecy so well. He encouraged, he edified, he built up. Do you know who the one who was responsible for bringing up the apostle Paul in the things of God, who ran with him, who, who went on mission trips with him, who did all kinds of things with him from the very, this son of encouragement, Barnabas. And I'm so thankful that he did because it positioned Paul to write two thirds of the new Testament to spread the gospel to Gentiles all over Asia and Europe. It's amazing. God wants to use you to encourage, to edify, to build up, to comfort. Now listen, in order to function in any of the gifts, you have to be able to hear you have to be able to hear. This is the one thing that, that, this is the hiccup. This is the moment. This is the time where, where okay, we're, we're at the door and we're saying, okay, God, I would love to function in some of those things. How, how do I do it? Well, you have to hear. And I understand that, that some people come from the opinions like, well, you know, maybe that's just... For, for pastors or for prophets, apostles, evangelists, teachers, you know, maybe you've got to be a ministry gift from Ephesians chapter 4. Not, not so. Let's look at John chapter 10 verse 27 together and, and you're going to begin to understand that your placement in the kingdom is connected to hearing. It says, listen to what Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's pretty definitive, isn't it? My sheep hear my voice. It doesn't say they maybe hear my voice. They sometimes hear my voice. No, it just says they hear my voice. And they follow me. It goes on to say in John 10, they won't follow another. They they know my voice so well that when another voice shows up, they're not going after that voice. They're only going to follow my voice. So... Here's the the big heavy revy, the big divine revelation for you today is that the only status you need to achieve in the kingdom to position yourself for the spiritual gifts is sheep status. You just got to be a sheep. You got to be in the fold. You need to be born again. Honestly, when I have a conversation with a young person and they say, I'm having trouble hearing from God. The very first question I ask is, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? And I pose that question to you here today. If you're not hearing God, there's an invitation to you. Come into genuine relationship with God through Christ. And you'll begin to hear his voice. It's a promise from him. You will. So, for those of us who are in Christ, we then have to figure out okay, what does he sound like? What does he sound like? Now, this is very simple. The scripture says, you know, there's a, there's a couple of different descriptions of his voice. Um, in the scripture. You know, there was one time when uh, uh, Elijah was in the middle of running away from Jezebel and he finds himself in a cave and God shows up and there's an earthquake and there's, there's shakings, rumblings and all those things and it says God wasn't in any of those things and then finally he wraps his face in a cloak, comes out to the, the, the edge of the cave and he says this, that God spoke in a still, small voice. By the way, that's the only place it says he spoke in a still small voice. Did you know that there, is, there are other places that say that when he speaks, it breaks the cedars of Lebanon? It's powerful. It will shatter things in your life that are standing in the way of God's will. His voice is is not infrequent matter of fact the scripture we we understand from i believe it's psalm 139 that tells us that that if we were to try to number the thoughts god is having toward us it would be like the sand on the seashore and trust me one of the great frustrations of being a father of five is taking my kids to the beach and trying to keep sand out of the car I promise you, it is. Dude, just let it go. Just understand that somewhere in your future is a shop vac. And, and here's, all, here's all I'm gonna say about that is that all you have to do is get into the seashore of God's thoughts towards you and toward everybody around you. You're bound to pick at least one of them up and carry it around with you. There are many. So what does the voice of the Holy Spirit sound like? First thing is it sounds like the Bible. Sounds like the Bible. You think that that we tell you to read the Bible just so you could be a good student? Um, No. um, The Bible is an invitation to deeper relationship with the one who saved you. Made you, created you. The voice of God sounds like the Bible. It will always come into agreement with Scripture. Always. If it doesn't, it's not God. I heard a pastor say, you know, that some um, a very zealous person stood up and said, Thus says the Lord, I know you're scared. That's what he says. Thus says the Lord, I know you're scared. And then he followed it with this. I get scared sometimes too. Well, that's not God. God's never scared, never. So we, we know that whatever God speaks, it's always gonna line up with his word. But this is the part that we have a, a real trouble with. We're easily accepting of that truth. Here's the second truth. The Holy Spirit sounds like you. He sounds like you. I mean, who else would he sound like The scriptures say that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That means that we can actually control what's going on as it pertains to cooperating with the spirit. Have you ever said this to yourself? You think you you, you hear something or you you get a little, um, an inclination to maybe do something. And then you say this, oh, that was just me. Maybe it wasn't. Most of the time, it's not. And even if it is, if it's good, do it anyway. If it's good, do it anyway. Say, man, I feel like I'm supposed to go and and share Christ with that person over there, that that lady who's ringing Well, Do you understand that that would not be a bad thing on any day, at any time? I feel like I'm supposed to, you know, bless that youth pastor with lunch. That would be a great day. That would be a great day. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes we just, we, we, we mistake the voice of God and we blame it on ourselves. You're not that good. Your natural inclination is not good. His is. So if he, if you feel inspired to do something good, it's probably God. And when you hear a voice and it sounds like yours, but you don't know where that came from, that's probably God. The voice of God sounds like the Bible, and it sounds like you. Believe me, He's not going to speak to you in a language you don't speak. He's God. He's infinitely wise and intimate. And by the way, the reason he sounds like you is because he lives right here. The scripture says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what are some of the common ways? And, and, and I say ways. Uh, you could also write on your notes volumes. What are some of the common volumes of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to kind of run through these and I'm going to tell you a story. Um, The first way is spoken language. That means he just says something to you. That, by the way, is the loudest volume. I mean, anybody could follow that instruction. If I were to say, hey, go and do this, you would say, oh, wow, I could do that. If I would say, I would say to a husband, hey, say to your wife that dress is pretty. You could echo that. And it would probably go a long way, so some of you husbands should think about that today. The spoken language in Acts chapter 13, 2 and 3, we have an example of this. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them, they sent him away. It said the Holy Spirit said to do something, so they did it. It's the loudest volume of the Holy Spirit. It's the easiest. It's the one. It's the one that uh, requires the least amount of interpretation. But it's not the only way that God speaks. Another way that God speaks is through pictures, visions, and dreams. In Acts chapter 10, we see this. It says, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Acts chapter 10. Now listen to me. All of us who are not Jewish in this room are experiencing Jesus today because Cornelius understood the voice of the Holy Spirit in a vision. Now we hear that word and we're like, oh. What? That sounds so far-fetched, so, so uh, you know, uh, so otherworldly. And I want to just say to you what a vision really is. It's just a picture that the Holy Spirit reveals. Sometimes it's moving like this one. Sometimes it's static. But it's a picture, and then it's our job to search out the details that are in that picture or that scene that God shows us. He loves it to speak to us through pictures, visions, dreams. Dreams are just visions usually uh, while you're sleeping. And so he speaks. That's a little lower volume. And the third one is an impression. Third one is an impression. Women understand this a lot, a lot better than, than men. You would call this intuitiveness. It's a knowing in your spirit. Romans 8, 14 says this. Uh, Those who are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. There is a leading of the Holy Spirit. I told you I was gonna tell you a story about all three of these. Uh, a few years ago, uh, well, Uh, Let me, let me start by saying this, uh, July 11th through the 15th, we're going to be taking our students again to camp impact and, uh, we're going to have a glorious, glorious time in the mountains. Well, camp impact, uh, for years has just been one of those times where God just, just pours out his love and presence on young people. And it is just an amazing, amazing time. Uh, we do whatever the Lord tells us to do. And, um, uh, I'll never forget. We, we were needing the vans to be filled up with gas one day, and we uh, pull in to this this gas station. There's a few of us there, and we are um, uh, filling up this gas in the in in. I'm filling it up actually. i just and, and I'm just watching it, watching it, and then all of a sudden, I get this impression. I need you to walk across the street to that corner across the street and there's a corner that I can see. And I'm like, I didn't hear, I need you. I just felt this drawing to go and stand in that place. And so I'm like, somebody take this. And I stepped away from the van and I'm just walking off. People are like, where's, what's, what's he doing? What's he doing? And I go across the street and it's, we're approaching the final night of camp. It's been glorious. So many kids baptized. So many kids touched. It's awesome. And I get across the street, and this is what it says. There is a sign at a restaurant, and it actually is the intersection of three states, of Georgia, Tennessee, and North Carolina, all intersect at this one intersection. And the sign, it says, the gate of heaven. That's the name of the restaurant which served ice cream. I'm like, that's cool. It says the gate of heaven. And I'm like, all right, what are we supposed to do in a gate? And I look down and I see written on on a little chalkboard, live music nightly right here. And then I saw a picture. And that picture was our whole worship team, our whole camp on the corner, doing worship that whole night right there on the corner. Well, I'm like, well how's that gonna happen? So I go into the restaurant and i I, t- I speak with the manager and i say listen we 're from a camp right up the street. I saw you guys do live music. We do live music we 'd like to be your music for tonight we 're going to stand we 'll stand out here and we'll we 'll worship and we 'll sing everybody who wants to go through that part of the t- they all come to three stop signs from three states. They come right there." And we were right there on the corner. And so he said, oh, yeah, we'd love love for you to come down and do that. I said, yeah, it'll be great. I mean, we got kids. You've got ice cream. It'll be a good business for you. And um, he said, it'll be terrific. Well, uh, it, it it gets much, much wilder. Much wilder. At that point, after getting the approval, the Lord the Lord then says to me, there's a Methodist church up on the top of the hill that I want you to go to. And I'm like... God, I don't know this place. Are you? There's a Methodist church up there that you want to... God, they're different than us. They're Methodists. We have no method. We follow you. We're just... We don't have a method. He's like, there's a Methodist church we want you to go to. Literally, our leaders, we got in the van. We drive up this hill and we get to this sign and there's this old Methodist church burnt down. I'm like, oh, Lord... Did you bring us up here to pray over burnt down church. What? What? What are we doing here? And uh, I'll never forget it. We're standing there and just a little bit, you know, dazed by this whole thing that's going on. And this woman pulls up to the uh, stop sign, and we're wondering, is there another Methodist church? And we just said, I said, "Hey, ma'am, ma'am. Um, by the way, you, you know this area." She says, "Yeah." She says. We said, um, we see this as a Methodist church, but is there another Methodist church somewhere up here on this hill? She said, yes, I'm the church secretary. I'm going there now. If you want to follow me, I'm like, get in the vans, you know, (laughs) get in the vans. I don't know what God's about to do. We drive up there and it, it leads to an amazing ministry time to a Methodist pastor who had been getting prophetic words about God releasing healing. His church sat on the highest hill, and you could see everywhere. And um, his wife called me later and said, you know, I know people like you. I'm like, what does that mean, people like me? She goes, you know. I'm like, okay, yeah. She goes, I've been praying with you guys too. I'm like, oh. She goes, yeah, we know that God is going to send a wave of healing through this Methodist church. And we got to, as a camp that night, go into that sanctuary and we sang, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. No, there was no, uh, it was beautiful. And then that Methodist pastor sang, a dox, uh, a doxology over us. He sang it over us. And we were all like, I don't know what that is, but that's the coolest thing that we've ever experienced. You know, he sang a prayer over us, which was beautiful. and Our kids were blessed. He was blessed and God moved. I want to tell you, walking with the voice of God is like nothing else. Does he speak? Yes. There are two attitudes that you're going to have to have if you're going to do this. It's what God wants for you, but you're going to have to have courage. You're going to have to have courage. You're going to have to step out on the waters. First Timothy one, six and seven. You probably know the verse that God did not give us a spirit of fear. Oh, first Timothy, I probably got it wrong. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. He doesn't give you a spirit of fear. He wants you to walk in courage. He wants to walk in courage. The second thing is willingness. You know, Isaiah 1, 19, it says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat of the good of the land. God wants us to be courageous. God wants us to just be a partner with you. And I just want to say this to you today. He wants to fill your life. Christianity is not boring. Christians are boring. And if you'll just say yes to being filled with his spirit, let down all the barriers, I believe God's got the greatest adventure of your life ahead of you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.